Welcome to Bear Weather Fans, the official Bears podcast of just like the best fans ever. Join myself, Patrick, Ed O'Bradabot, and Coach Bob as you listen to Bear Weather Fans. Welcome, loyal, handsome listeners to Bear Weather Fans. This is our week eight, uh, this week in Bears history episode in the books coming after that San Francisco game. Uh, I, of course, am Patrick. Uh, joined with me is Ed O'Bradabot. Uh, four to five callers cannot tell the difference between him and the actual Ed O'Bradovich. Uh, Ed O'Bradabot, how you doing? Because I'll tell you, the one guy I don't want to see in there calling one more play for the Chicago Bears is that guy Nagy. My God almighty, would that guy please just shut his mouth and stand on the sidelines and get the hell out of the way. All right. Thanks, Ed O'Bradabot. <laughs> that, that was a longer one. Um, <laughs> of course, is our other esteemed uh, coach, uh, mentor, guide, and just generally uh, handsome man, Coach Bob. How are we doing? Oh, thank you. I have been told I have a face for radio. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I'm going to echo what what our robot who has artificial intelligence stated. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know what? I'm going to go a step further and say that we should maybe have our special teams coach just kind of take over duties and let Matt Nagy just be a cheerleader on the sideline and rah-rah the troops. Knowing that he was able to be, step away from play-calling duties – and still find a way to like mess with the uh, the game where he's like calling timeouts in like the weirdest spots and like challenging or you're calling a timeout to see if he should challenge, getting the headset to tell fields that there were twelve guys in the field when there were not. Stuff like that is like it's it's almost impressive the the amount of new ways he finds to make things hard for his team. So I'm trying to think of like how far away they'd have to move him to still have an effective offense. Yeah, I'm you know what? <laughs> It's funny because uh, I in no way am accusing him of doing this, but I totally am. It really has like those vibes of like, does he have a gambling addiction and he can only bet against the Bears? Because like, I mean, this man, like you said, he was coach. He was a coach of the year. And now he's like, God, I owe some people some money and they're going to come at me with a crowbar. But I can tell Justin Fields there's 12 men on the field and he's going to throw an interception because I gave him the green light to do it. Yeah, we're going to find out he is a uh, Matt LaFleur sleeper agent from... Oh, God, just to let the Packers in every year. <laughs> so, typically, this is a This Week in Bears history episode. It's middle of the week. We like to talk about where we were this week in previous Bears seasons, give us a little context, fun to look back on stuff. And what we typically don't do is fixate over the news of opposing teams, particularly the teams that we don't care for. But Aaron Rodgers news. Holy crap! What? <laughs> I am with you on this. I love bad Aaron Rodgers news. It's oh some my of gosh. my favorite news. Uh, one of my favorite <laughs> press conferences of all time, unfortunately he backed it up because he's super good at quarterback, was yeah. his relaxed speech where everybody oh, was yes. falling apart. And I was like, oh, I love when he's all moody and upset. <laughs> oh, it makes me so happy. And then it was like they tore off a bunch of wins in a row, and I was like, oh, dang it. Yeah. But – 
uh, a guy on Twitter by uh, the handle of at Start Kyle Orton, which is already just an all-time great handle. So congrats so on that. good. <laughs> um, it only could be better if it was at Start Neckbeard. <laughs> I'm going to start a barbershop called that. Like, or at least yes. Kyle Orton's underscore neckbeard, and you only get poorly shaved beards. Um, <laughs> but so he tweeted out earlier today that like Aaron Rodgers is just Jay Cutler if he was good at football. <laughs> Where like he, everyone hates him, and like he is an asshole, like renowned. And um, I don't know if you follow Jay Cutler post retirement career, but he's. Uh, used his considerable time, resources, and platform to just uh, spread, like, anti-vax stuff for, like, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, which is, you know, not how I would use that, but what do I know? Uh, just a rocket surgeon. <laughs> <laughs> just a coach and a, <laughs> and a rocket Yeah, um, so, for those of you who maybe don't have your uh, IV of football news just, like, inserted at all times, um, which, you know... For shame, first of all. Uh, yeah. Coach Bob has a We're family. We're better than you. We know <laughs> <Right>? it. <laughs> I literally don't understand how you keep up with this stuff. Because, like, you have a family of, like, a dozen ch- children. You are a coach of so many sports. I don't understand it. But uh, I commend it. Um, for the rest of you who aren't plugged in, uh, Aaron Rodgers this off season was asked point blank, Hey, are you vaccinated? And his response was, Yeah, I'm immunized. I considered a personal decision. I, I'm getting the quote, not maybe not 100% right, but the question was, are you vaccinated? His first word was, yeah, and then followed up, I'm immunized. And then talked about it as a personal decision, um, that he wasn't going to judge anybody or freak out anybody, which is like a little bit weasel-worded about the time people were like, yeah, he said, yeah, what else do you need to know? Like, let's not make a big deal out of this. Um, fast forward a little bit, and he had a giant ass uh halloween party and had like a whole team which is like i as far as i know the only reported time ever that aaron Rodgers has like curated an environment for his teammates like he's kind of renowned as being an asshole who like avoids his teammates but that's not here there Uh, i'm glad he did because then he like not really but kind of am as a a fan (laughs) not as a human being yeah yeah. we can we can have two separate stances on that (laughs) Yeah, yeah thank you so, as a sports fan, I'm kind of glad. Because he got, like, half his team sick with COVID, and he himself has COVID. Find out, oh, what he meant was he had a weird, random bullshit that he tried as, like, a homeopathic vaccine to COVID. So, no, um, he was not vaccinated. He was not vaccinated. And um, one defense that came up was, like, well, he legitimately thought that this was going to keep him safe from COVID. So, in his mind, he was telling the truth. Uh, except that he petitioned the NFL this offseason saying, can I use these remedies as an alternative to vaccination status and have it count? And their answer was no. So he 100% knew that he was not vaccinating the eyes of the NFL. Uh, anyone with two functioning uh, halves of a brain um, just across the board. So it's it's very funny to me. It's very funny. Oh, it is. It is so, so funny. And <laughs> It is also funny that like his stupid hair is tied to that Halloween party, and you know he had that Halloween party just to be John Wick, and, ha- and like he didn't actually <laughs> want his teammates over to have a good time, right? Um, 
he may even have had them over to give them COVID because he does not want the Packers to be successful, but he still wants to show everybody that he's still one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So that's why he started them off at seven and one. Like I think he lost game one and was like, ah, you know what? I need a good team to pick me up. Then he rattles off seven straight and goes, ah, that's too much. (laughs) Could be. Yeah, honestly could be. Uh, man, that is so, it's so great, man. I don't know. Uh, that it does. It makes me happy. Like that's, that's incredible <laughs> because like uh, him struggling or the Packers struggling is about, it may, gives me about as much joy as the bears winning. Not quite as much, but like almost. <laughs> well, that's great. Um, we do have, I think two games for you that are kind of fun this week in bears histories. Nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. So this is, of course, uh, the end of week eight, going into week nine. So we're kind of looking at where we were um, at this part in different years. Um, And two that I wanted to look at were playoff years for the Bears. Uh, And those were 2018. Of course, we went to the playoffs last year, but I kind of don't count that. I kind of blocked that out. Um, But (laughs) went to the playoffs, of course, 2018. Matt Nagy's first year, hence his coach of the year status. Um, There is... Just so much to unpack there, but week and the other uh, playoff here was when we had another young, talented QB come in, first round pick. Um, although he's traded for, it was uh, 2009 with a, another aging defense, talented QB, no O line to speak of. And um, this is going to shock you, but it didn't go well for that QB down down the road. Um, so anyway, kind of fun to talk about. But let's start with week eight. 2018, what would be a playoff year, uh, and like a deep playoff year, got the first round by. Um, so they started the season, uh, you know, week four, they or they had a bye week five. So they went into the bye three and one. They lost their opener to the Packers we talked about. It was sucked. We're not going to revisit it. Um, then lost out of the bye two straight games, which is already a sign of things to come with Matt Nagy where he has extra time. Like the more time he has to tinker, the worse it is. Um, but so lost two straight Miami and new England. And then the slump buster, the New York jets. And so, uh, gotta love, gotta love the slump buster. <laughs> yes, sir. And it started off like about as you expect the defense played awesome. Uh, they held, uh, Jets got the ball first, held him to punts, no big deal. Uh, Bears got the ball. And you've mentioned previously that Mad Nagy tends to script, uh, like, a randomization, or has managed to script unexpectedness, as hilarious as that is, um, for his first few drives, and then that kind of peters out. So their first drive was pretty awesome, uh, nine nine plays, 43 yards. Um, they ended up uh, having a sack on a critical third down, um, third and short, one with think you'd run but they had no running game it's fine um so they do a field goal and it's no good because their kicker was uh you know cody parkey back then and so this is one point he, that wanted- he had a good season that year right <laughs> 2018 <sighs> cody parkey <laughs> right i, I don't know what comes to mind well at least his dog doesn't know he missed a kick so um <laughs> What did he say at the at the interview? Because he had the post game presser. He said something like really weird about how like, like I'm gonna go I'm gonna go home and my dog won't know that I missed this kick. Like that's a that's a weird thing to say, man. But okay. Yeah. Oh, you, so you're saying it's okay that your dog doesn't know that you don't do your job? <laughs> um, oh. There, 
is some justice in the world. Cody Parkey is not currently playing. He got cut from the Saints. Um, that this is year. a surprise. Yeah, I think he swapped places with Kevin White, so all yep. good. Um, because Kevin White is probably as good a kicker. Anyway. Was Cody Parkey the replacement for Gold? Or was it somebody before him? It was Carlos Santos? Yeah, I think you're right. Because this is Santos's second string. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay. Um, I don't know. Yeah, and we've talked before about how funny it is that they had like the entire 2018-19 offseason about like the kicker battle. And yep. you know the winner's Eddie Pinheiro, and then <laughs> no, he's gone. Um, whatever, it's fine. Uh, but one point I want to bring up here that I think is so funny is that for a long time, the special teams coach has been kind of maligned as like, hey, the Bears have had some of the worst special teams in the league over and over. So it's funny to me that Chris Tabor was the most competent head coach we've had in like two years. Um, that was funny, especially because right now, this year, he was a good step-in head coach, and our punt coverage is 32nd in the NFL, I believe. <laughs> I, maybe it's not 32nd, but I, I think it is. It's something like that. Like We have horrible punt coverage. Well, because you brought up going into the offseason, like, wait, did we lose both our gunners? Like, yeah, like uh, Sheriff McManus retired. Um, we got rid of Cordell Patterson. And I understand we had tight cap, but that is uh, – yeah, I, I kind of feel bad for him in some ways. Like, that is a very lean special teams. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, Ed O'Bradabot, what do you think about that? Never tried to put him away. Never tried to put him away. When you sit, you let him hang around, let him hang him around. What happens? Up pops the devil. <laughs> okay. Well, hold on. Are they talking about letting Matt Nagy hang around on the sidelines? <laughs> Almost certainly. <laughs> why? Why is he allowed to be here still? What does he do anymore? He, we, we just gave him privileges to call timeouts. Is that what it is? He high fives on the sidelines and just randomly calls timeouts. Which, by the way, still crazy that they wouldn't grant Justin Fields those timeouts. You know, right? But anyway, yeah, I think the only real misstep that. Tabor had last week was choosing not to call a timeout um, in that short goal line situation when the defense was getting gassed. Um, and he's like, well, in that situation, he said something about how timeouts are like gold bricks to try to use them carefully. And I don't know, we can debate that. But um, yeah, in general, like, yeah, take that Matt Nagy, put him in a, yeah, a truck and just send him in a direction and have Chris Tabor run it the rest of the year. I'd be fine with that. Um, we've stumbled upon. Uh, listeners, you're going to love this because I know how big of fans you are. Typically, we have the uh, impromptu Coach Bob trivia game where I ask him impossibly specific questions that he has no way of answering. And then he always finds a very, very close, if not exactly right answer in ways <laughs> that seem impossible. But I swear, as a witness, he, he has no stats in front of him. Um, like the other day, you guessed like to the yard, like, uh, what was it? Um, well, it doesn't matter. Anyway, I think it was like the <laughs> def defensive yards given up per play or something like that. Oh, so, um, Thank you. Yeah. So periodically we're going to have that Coach Bob trivia segment. Let's play that now. Coach Bob trivia segment. Okay. So last episode, you talked about how – or you guessed accurately where do the Bears rank in yards after the catch. You said dead last, zero hesitation. <laughs> you were right. Um, 
I've since updated the yards after catch with this past week, uh, and they are still dead last. And uh, first overall is Tampa Bay. So Bears are dead last with, uh, I think it's like 500 total yards after catch. Tampa Bay has uh, 1,384 uh, yards after the catch. Big Um, difference. Yes, sir. And I know they have one of the greatest QBs ever, and that's slanted, but still, it's it's pretty hilarious. Um, let me make sure I have my stats here right. So, well, and we talked about this last week. the The pass that is so easy to throw and read that adds yards after the catch is the inside slant. <laughs> right. <The laughs> win at the line and just break inside. If like so often the cornerbacks even give you inside leverage to force you to a linebacker. But if a quarterback can just fit it between linebackers, it's, it's not a super difficult pitch and catch. And then they can run after the catch because they're running downfield and we do nothing but run back to the quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's right. Um, on Olin Krutz's podcast Saturday, he mentioned that there were games where um, Tariq Cohen had 84 yards on a single yard or on a single catch after the catch, just because he had like the combination of getting him with speed and space of the ball and just having dynamic play, playmaker. Uh, it seems like we are dwindling on both those cases, but yeah, I that seems like such a no brainer. Like it's easy to throw, it's easy to read. Let's just do it. Um, but you made a, a very far fetched joke that the. Tom Brady Buccaneers probably have more yards after the catch than the Bears have in total yards. That being said, the Buccaneers have 1,384 yards after the catch this season. How many passing yards do you think the Bears do have? Passing yards? Yes, sir. Not Yeah, not uh, total offense, but yeah, just passing yards, including air yard, all that stuff. Yeah, total passing yards. Dang. Okay, so they have played eight games? Yes, sir. I'm going to say it's less than that. I don't think they're getting 200 a game. It's going to be like 1,300. <laughs> so that's hilarious that you would predict that they would have less total yards than the <laughs> Buccaneers have after the catch. And you're right. And you still <laughs> oversold it. No! <laughs> they, have... <laughs> they don't even have 1,300 passing yards yet. No. <laughs> uh, so that's that's fun. Um Jeez, how many passing <laughs> yards do we have? We, I, I'm double checking my stats here because I'm like, there's no way it can be that few. But I think it's 1,019 yards a season. Oh my god, <laughs> halfway through a season, <laughs> week eight, yeah, uh, yeah. So <laughs> that's yeah. That's it what it does look good when you finish a season with 2,000 passing yards. <laughs> that's what most people strive for. <laughs> Considering, like, Justin Herbert as a rookie had 5,000 or something like that. (laughs) Hello, Brad, Bob, what do you think? And they're the worst at everything? Are you kidding me? (laughs) Yeah, I'm not. I'm sorry, Hello, Brad, Bob. Yeah, so I can confirm that they have, uh, yeah, 1,019 yards, uh, 208 attempts. Yeah, it's it's not good. It's uh, like not even five yards an attempt. Yeah. Right around five. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. So, not ideal, but I, I just want to revisit our pre uh, our preseason episode where we talked about how, like, I don't know, how Fields is going to break all the records. Like, yeah, he's going to destroy the rookie record. And uh, we did not take not into account. Not even close. <laughs> yeah, we didn't account for how bad 
the play calling and the coaching was going to be. <laughs> I mean, you look at it like, gosh, you look at like Allen Robinson and stuff and Darnell Mooney and you're like, those that's 2,000-yard receivers. That gets you most of the way there. And part of the reason we thought about that was because, like I said, rookies that blow it up now are like well over 4,000 yards. That mm. record was 3,200 or 3,300 <laughs> or something. Like right. it wasn't even a super impressive number. Right. And we're not even going to sniff it. <laughs> oh, God. <sighs> okay, so uh, kind of going back to that um, Jets game 2018. Basically, first quarter was just uh, we would hold the Jets to punt. The Bears would march for a score. That first one was a missed field goal. Second possession was uh, four plays, 88 yards. Just boom. They had a, uh, a uh, what do you call it, 70-yard play to Tariq Cohen for a touchdown. And that was mostly yards after the catch, but it was still awesome. Because um, yards after the catch is totally cool. It's fine. Um so second quarter, they just traded punts back and forth because the Bears' defense was just a stone wall that year. Um, third quarter was kind of similar punt, trade punt, and then the Bears have another touchdown. Uh, yet another, uh, was it, passing play to Anthony Miller, but they had, it was mostly chunk yardage, but they did have one 21-yard uh, play once again to Tariq Cohen. So I guess the thing that I want to... Part of why I brought this up was just it's interesting to look at playoff seasons. But also, Tariq Cohen was such a huge impact on that offense. Like, having explosive players is so huge. And uh, reading these stats, I'm, like, trying to remember or trying to think of, like, who the most dynamic playmaker is on the Bears with the ball in his hands, you know? Um, yeah. Do you think that's Khalil Herbert? Like, who do you think is the most dynamic playmaker on the Bears? It's Justin Fields. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so it's right now Justin Fields. I mean, that that scramble he had on fourth and one at such a critical point in the game when it was like, oh, you're supposed to be sacked and any loss of yardage is a turnover and no points and you're down by a possession. And instead, he did everything he could to tie the game except for we missed the point after. But like, um, I mean, holy cow, he's turning into that decisiveness he has is making him the most scary player with the ball in his hands. Now, if we take away Justin Fields and say, okay, every answer can't be Justin Fields. Like who's going to block for Justin Fields? Oh, well, Justin Fields will by, by getting out fast. No, <laughs> like, right. um, I do think Khalil Herbert, um, is the most dynamic playmaker with the ball in his hands right now. But to your point, I think that's because David Montgomery's out. I think that's because, um, what's his name? Tariq Cohen's out. Mm -hmm. Um, like both those guys are supposed to be coming back, right? Pretty soon. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, man, I'll feel a lot better when those guys are in the offense. Yes. So, this is, um, I feel weird even doing this, but I'm going to, uh, you know, take off my shoes here a little bit, uh, get rid of this identity I have, and give a little bit of credit to Matt Nagy and the Bears offense. Because if you're looking at who the most explosive skill player is, it's like, it's a little bit lean. Like, Allen Robinson is a great receiver, 
but he's definitely not a yards after the catch kind of guy. He's like a go up and get it kind of guy. Um, and so trying to find those electric playmakers like Tariq Cohn was to develop those screens. Like earlier this season, we criticized them for calling a tight end screen to Cole Komet and how that didn't work. And it's like, what are you doing, you know, having a design screen to a guy who's like 6'5 and like 270 pounds or whatever. Like he's not, you know, he's not agile. But then you look at like, well, who would be the guy who's just explosive? And it, it is kind of lean. Um, so that was that little bit tiny of credit I want to give to them. I'm immediately going to take that back. Because what I have here is a stat um, that basically is indicative of how much you're setting up your QB for success. And what it is, is a tendency of a team to run on first and second down, and particularly second and long. So uh, where do you think the Bears fare in the entire NFL of their tendency to run on second and long as opposed to pass? And for those of you who are not super familiar with the stat, it is analytically almost indefensible to run on second long. You're pretty much never going to get a first down. You're almost always setting yourself up for a third down. Um, so you can mix it in a little bit, but ideally you want to pass on second and long so you at least have an option. But so, tendency of the Bears to run on second and long, where do you think they fare in the entire NFL? Like, I don't want to just say last, but I feel like it's at least 30th. I mean, like, they do it the most. Uh, let's say... Third most. Damn. We'll split the difference there somewhere between last and third last. It uh, is 31st? They are second to last, yeah. Okay. You got it. 31st uh, who, overall. Who's worse than us? Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, that's a good team to model <laughs> yourself after. Yeah. And um, similar to a lot of these bottom tier stats, they are kind of in their own tier. Like They're, they're separated so much from the rest of the tiers. They're like... Uh, yeah, they might as well be like several standard deviations down. But yeah, uh, and one would see, think. No, see, like, and I feel like I feel like that right there. It's funny because like the way you pitch it, like it's almost indefensible. Like you're setting your team up for third and long, which is behind the chains. You're mm-hmm. decreasing your third down conversion percentage and killing drives, and you're not going to get it on first or second down. Now you're taking away passing opportunities. I mean, I assumed right. we were super low on that list primarily because Justin Fields only gets 20 attempts per game or something. Um, but all that said, I feel like Matt Nagy and maybe even Bill Lazor go up to each other and go, see, they didn't expect us to do that. Not on that <laughs> down, not second along. They didn't, they didn't think we were going to, pa- we were going to run right. the ball there. They thought we were going to pass. <laughs> and then even though they stopped us for a three yard gain, Look at us now. We're at third and seven. <laughs> what the hell, man? That's a bad move. Yeah, they didn't expect it to happen, and it didn't work. <laughs> like, yeah. they just think they're so clever because, like, oh, they thought we were going to pass. That's why we got we got four cheap yards there. Excellent. <laughs> I'm so glad we got four cheap yards with our fourth string running back who's making it look like it's going pretty well. Uh, probably also honestly speaks to the fact that we got 100 yards against Tampa Bay. Like, oh, we got 100 yards against Tampa Bay because we were getting smoked and we were supposed to be passing the ball and instead we were running the ball because they said that's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's cool if you knock off a couple yards every run because we're up by a ton. <laughs> right. <laughs> you can't come back if this is what you do. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? That, that's what they think. That's what they want us to think. <laughs> they would never expect the no. uh, very stupidest possible thing. 
Ed O'Brenabot, what do you think? The what only you- problem with that, our head coach is clueless. He's proven he's clueless. Four years here. <laughs> sure. Um, so he's not wrong. <laughs> so with that in mind, that um, Justin Fields is being forced to throw on what is essentially third and long. Um, the most of basically any quarterback in the league because we're choosing to run on first, especially second and long, so much. Uh, I want to compare Justin Fields' uh, passing stats on uh, first and second down compared to third down. So uh, Fields when throwing on first and second down. Uh, and this is actually also courtesy of at start Kyle Orton. Thanks, dude. Um, 62.5% completion percentage, 6.6 yards per attempt, three touchdowns and two interceptions. Uh, 11% sack rate, which is not great, but, you know, we know he's a rookie. We know there's limitations the roster around him. That's fine. Um, his throw or his passing stats on third down. So, again, he was 11% sack rate, you know, uh, three yep. to two. Yep. So, third down, 53% completion. Five points, down about 10%. Yes, sir. 5.6 yards per attempt. So, down a full yard. Uh, yep. z- zero touchdowns to five interceptions. That's impressive. <laughs> and then 24% sack rate. Oh, that's good. So you mean when it's third and long and the defensive ends know they can pin their ears back and go for them? Yeah. Yep. I, yep. I will say, um, and then now obviously that's very telling, but uh, one thing that I think Justin Fields has figured out, and not that he should have, because I, I think we completely agree, and I'm sure all of our listeners do too. I mean, the just countless listeners. Um, I mean, we're in how many countries now? I don't know. Too many to count. Right. Um, but, uh, his decisiveness in the last game, and we talked about how it was improving over the last few weeks. I think that would have changed that stat a little bit. Like, I think he was taking sacks on third down in early games or, or games earlier this season. Sorry because he was trying to make something happen on third down and basically like show the world, Oh, I'm a passer. And it's like, yes, you are a passer. You're playing quarterback in the NFL. We all know you're a passer. We know you're accurate. Mm. We know you can throw the long ball. We know all this. Yeah. But when you're flushed out of the pocket, just go. Right. Like unless somebody's open right now, go. I'm not saying you can't look downfield, but just go. And he kept not going and he kept taking those like really weird sacks that we were talking about. Like, Oh, you extended the play for four seconds and then ran out of bounds two yards behind the line of scrimmage for a sack right. or you ran out of bounds, you know, or, or just took the sack instead of throwing it out of bounds. And it's like, ah, if you were just decisive, that's a first down. Right. Um, now that doesn't mean he's not pressured on those. And that would probably still show up on that. Um, but it just felt a whole lot worse when he was trying to make plays downfield, uh, probably also leading to some of those interceptions. Again, just take what's there. Take the first down, live to fight another day. Yes, sir. Something that that he has already shown growth with. So yeah, and I would hope the Bears coaching staff is watching the film and recognizing, oh, when he does do those four or five second play extensions, um, the scramble drill is not working. Like other people aren't running with him to try and get open. You know, um, so I would hope that's something that improves. Um, in addition to yeah, your point that he is also going to be decisive with his running because he is like the most electric runner on the team. Like we've already stepped, you know, so um, he's, yeah, it's like a six foot three tree going with the ball. Like just go buddy. But yep. um, yeah, they can also throw <laughs> right? like my God, what yeah. a threat. <laughs> so um, yeah, so the bears, uh, as far as this whole, this week in bears history thing, 
the Bears pretty much torched the Jets. Um, they just the defense just dismantled them. It was great, but also what was fun is watching these long completions from Trubisky, where um, he never exactly looked comfortable, like he had clarity. But the early Matt Nagy offensive playbook was enough to legitimately scheme guys wide open, um, and so Trubisky was putting up pretty good stats in that first you know half of the season or so. Um, and so looking at some of the headlines from that. Uh, are are just kind of fun to look back on. Um, so Rick Talander has a column from that week that says, uh, Bears quarterback Mitch Trubisky is a star in the making. <laughs> Which, uh, you know, deep down I still think he is. It's just take the making is taking a little bit longer than than I was hoping. But uh, and also it's for a different team now. But um, yeah, I mean, if he makes it there, shit, he is good. <laughs> because he's got to beat out a MVP candidate. So yeah. Did you see the trade rumors that the Bills were in talks with trading him to Washington? I did not see that. I don't really know how true that is. I almost feel guilty putting it up there, but that was a a rumor that was going around. That yeah. So I've, if nothing else, I've spread a little bit of uh, of made up nonsense with our fans. So that's okay. <laughs> it's it's bears related and they don't really care anyway because it's Trubisky. <laughs> Fair. Everyone's oh, you like, want a million on. dollar backup quarterback? Okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what you're asking for in return, like a bag of chips or something. <laughs> I really want to. Uh, I haven't crunched numbers yet. I want to look at the uh, the stats of like dead cap towards players that don't even play because I I'd have to think like outside of injured teams, the Bears are up there of like. Okay, you have Andy Dalton, Nick Foles, and Jimmy Graham all like on the bench, like. So, yeah, I don't know. Just, just thinking of like how cheap Trubisky was, it's like, oh yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so yeah, Rick Tolander's article, like, just talking about how Trubisky is going to be the next star, and at the time, there's reason to believe that. Um, talking about how modest he is, this and that. Um, yeah, fun, fun times, you know. So that's something I kind of keep in mind looking at Justin Fields, but I think we all agree, like. Justin Fields is in a different caliber than Trubisky was. Like Trubisky was, the hope was he would develop with Fields. The hope is like this: the coach's scheme to what he's already good at. Yeah, I I, I would say like it's funny because when I watched Trubisky, even when he was putting up pretty good numbers, I I mean unless I'm I'm you know remembering this the way I want to remember it, I was remembering exactly what you said. I was remembering games where he put up good numbers, and he won games. And it was one of those, like, as a fan, and clearly this is an exaggeration because I am not a fraction of a percent of the athlete these guys are. <laughs> but it was like, he'd make a play, and I'd be like, yeah, I can, I can make that throw. That guy's wide open. Like, that's <laughs> backyard football where you have one read, and you don't even really have to read anything because the guy's so open, there's nothing to read. You just throw the ball to him. <laughs> and And I would watch him make throws like that. Sorry attempt throws like that and miss. And I'm like, how in the hell right. are you missing somebody that's that open by that much? And I just couldn't get over like, what? How, how is that post route seven yards overthrown when there's no defenders in sight? Like, you can't miss that throw ever. It's too open. It, like, yeah. I get when it's a tight window. Like, I, again, that's what I saw even when he was putting up impressive numbers. I was like, I was constantly like, I mean... I just it, okay, or or like oh man, there was still some bad, 
and we've talked about this before, but like, um, I don't know if we talked about it on this podcast or not, you know, one of the many other episodes, but like <laughs> for me personally, and this is coming as a like Patrick Mahomes fan who's having a very bad year, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting uh, because it speaks to the importance of supporting cast. And I think coaching is pretty good over there, but I mean, if you don't have the pieces in place, it's really hard to look good as a quarterback. Yes, um, and, but going back to the Super Bowl. I thought he was the most impressive player on the field. Like that's that's what I remember from that Super Bowl was the best player on the field was on the losing team. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm saying that with Tom Brady on the other side. Like I get it. When I watched the game, I was like, oh man, I think I know who the best player is. And yeah. they're getting killed. <laughs> um, and that's, I'm not saying Justin Fields is Patrick Mahomes, but I feel that way when I watch him. I'm like, oh, that's different. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's next level. Ooh, that's a tight window that he just hit. That's a difficult pass. All this stuff is good. And somehow at the end of every single game, I see the box score and I'm like, man, that's another shitty outing. Like, <laughs> how is it that like, if you didn't watch the game, you look at that and you just go, he had 175 yards, one touchdown and one interception on the whole game. What? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And that's his good game. <laughs> right. So yeah, I mean we talked before about like how the eye test in football is more important than like basically any other any other sport when you at least have eyes that have trained to look at the right things. But yeah, I mean I agree with you that the decisiveness Justin Fields showed last week is like so encouraging. It it feels like it's starting to click and and who knows. Um but yeah, it's it's man, it's so encouraging, it's so exciting. I don't know, man. Um, so the, there's a few other fun headlines here. Um, another one was, uh, about how just utterly dominant the Bears defense is talking about, um, that they're, let's see if I can get the, uh, the headline here. Uh, Bears defense, uh, let's see, scores twice. Da, 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 what we got here? Uh, basically there's an article from Rick Talander about how they're running out of, uh, the defense is running out of, uh, celebrations to do because they were getting so many turnovers that they were not able to keep up with them in their, um, in their practice celebration dances. It's a good problem to have. <laughs> yes, sir. I would love to have that, but so that's hilarious to me talking about, uh, Kyle Fuller having interceptions and yeah, it's just, uh, just good stuff, man. It's a good defense. Where's he at nowadays? Ooh, on the bench. That's what I was going for. <laughs> Somehow, an all-pro from a couple years ago is riding the bench now. Oh, my goodness. Your tone alone, I was like, yeah, he's he's setting this up for an oop. Like, he yeah. knows exactly where he is. <laughs> yeah. Just, oh, man. I mean, I'll say, like, hearing that, great call, Bears organization. Yes, like, sir. Like, we don't throw... We don't throw compliments around all the time great call (laughs) like a guy that's asking for tens of millions of dollars if he is worthy of sitting on the bench let him walk yes sir goodness gracious great call very fortunate and uh yeah yeah i think it's a kudos to the bears org with ryan pace um and i think it's also this week has been a kudos to eddie jackson where like he's still a very good coverage safety and you saw like how brutally the defense got manhandled uh when he was absent and how poorly Kyle Fuller's played without Eddie Jackson. Like so much of Kyle Fuller's game was 
you know, stay off him. You know, stay off your opposing wide receiver on only the side of the field. Be aggressive, breaking on out routes, and trust Eddie Jackson to be over you for anything longer than whatever it is, like twenty yards. Like, and if you can't trust your safety and you start doubting that, like, I don't, I don't know, you know, all of why he's struggling, but like, it makes Eddie Jackson look good either way. So crazy. Um, let's see. Rick Talander is always great for great quotes. So there's all kinds of wacky quotes from him. Um, there's a quote of him quoting uh, Matt Nagy that the Bears are not a Debbie Downer organization. And so Rick Talander responds in his eloquent prose. Thank you, Coach Matt Nagy, for clearing that up. In other words, this is no Eeyore team. This is a SpongeBob SquarePants team. So that's the caliber <laughs> of uh, of media coverage you get from the keen mind of Rick Talander. I do like SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't? Yeah. So anyway, it, yeah. it's the only only look. I mean, it's the only song that I know for a campfire. It's the campfire <laughs> song song. I don't know any other good song for campfires. <laughs> <laughs> who lives in our park? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see. So the other Week 8 game that I thought was worth talking about was a very similar game. Uh, 2009 Week 8, still, you know, young, talented QB, awesome if slightly aging defense. Uh, the Bears would play the Browns in Week 8 2009 and just crush them. Just uh, another routing. This one was 30-6. to six. Ooh. And uh, let's see. They had, like, you know, a typical... Robbie Gold making long kicks. It was, there's fire in all cylinders. Uh, Matt Forte touchdown runs, but the notable play of that game was uh, Peanut Tillman returning an interception for 21 yards for a touchdown. So it's just oh, a fun awesome. mirror. Yeah, it's like, you know, whatever. When yeah. you win 30-6 to and your defense scored, that is a sour pill for the <laughs> opponents. Yes, sir. Like, you got outscored by... Not even just their offense. Like, if their offense never took the field, you lost that game. That's tough. <laughs> right? <laughs> yep. And, like, that previous game we're talking about in 2018, the Jets, like, the Jets put up one touchdown in the fourth quarter. Like, that's already garbage time. But, like, oh, yeah. The, in this one, the Browns didn't even score garbage time. Like, they, <laughs> I don't know, it's great. But, uh, yeah, well, I just, uh, I think it's interesting to look back on. You know, obviously where we were in different weeks, the same season to kind of catch what the vibes was. Um, you know, the the Bears obviously went to the playoffs in 2009 um, and 2018. In both cases, it, people already knew that this team was special pretty early on. I was looking at headlines and definitely by week eight, people were talking playoffs for sure. And not just like, it would be nice, but like, all right, here's what we have to do to get home, home field advantage at the, you know, the first round of play. It's so... Um, I think fans are pretty realistic based on what I've seen that this is not like a, a deep playoff team, but just a, a fun team to watch make some plays. Yeah, I would say that the vibe I'm getting from the Bears right now is that most people think they are not a playoff team and that if they make it, it's a seven seed and it's cool. We got in. I mean, we'll probably lose week one, but you got nothing to lose. So go for it. You know, <laughs> I feel like that's kind of the vibes for for this team right now. Mm-hmm. And but to your point earlier like we've we've had a brutal start to the schedule, just so many tough games, not that it gets way easier, but so many tough games and then we don't have a bunch of our huge playmakers right now. 
and we're struggling to score. So, uh, I think our uh, I think our defense is going to bounce back a little bit. I think if we get these playmakers back soon, there's a chance we could rat off a couple and you know approach 500 and look like maybe we're in the playoffs. Yes, sir. We'll see, man. That's pretty much all I have for uh, this glorious week in Bears history. Is there uh, anything else you want to talk before we get out of here? Uh, do you happen to know what our records were those 2009 and 2018 seasons at eight games? Ooh, I can look. We were probably that. five and three in 2018 because you said we were three and three. Yes, sir. Yeah, you're right. Um, oh, wait, am I wrong here? So going into week eight, they were three and three. So I guess they were four and three after week eight. And then probably like, yeah, five and three after that. Like once they had eight games. Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay. Right. Five, that's what you were saying. Yes. I caught yeah. up there eventually. Okay. No, it's all good. <laughs> and then what about in 2009, was it? Yes, sir. Uh, 2009. What were you guys? Um, They were... Do-do-do-do-do. Let's see. Lost the opener, then won three in a row. Uh, five was a bye week. Um, lost two more in a row. Um, what did this? So they were three and three. Week eight they won, so they were four and three. Uh, then week nine they lost the Cardinals. So four and four. So yes, we're not sir. that far off. We're uh, three and five. Right? Yes, sir. Yeah, just a real quick. I'm checking the uh, standings right now. Um, so for the NFC. There's one, two, three, four, five, six potentially good teams, five really good teams in Dallas, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, Arizona, and the Rams. If you count New Orleans, that makes it six. So there's one spot outside of that that right now would take a 500 record. Mm. So, I mean, it's not super far-fetched. Yeah. Like, a win this week and we might already be the seventh seed. Sure. But, I mean, yeah, my God, we had a six-game losing streak with Nick Foles last year. We were still into the playoffs. Yep. And uh, we're already seeing Aaron Rodgers taking out his own team with COVID. Uh, Kyler Murray's injured. Jameis Winston's injured. Uh, the attrition yep. begins on an already very long season. For sure. And, I mean, you just listed it on a lot of those teams that I mentioned that are pretty darn good. Yeah. So, um, didn't Dak Prescott just miss two with a yeah. knee injury? It was like a minor one, but. Yeah, there's that whole like scandal where he's warming up before the game, and the broadcasters are like, "Why is he warming up if he's not playing?" Yeah, yeah, and then they were like, "Oh, he's not playing." <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, but anyway, no, yeah, yeah. Attrition is such a key piece, um, and I, it's making it hard to predict games this year because people are missing so many key components all the time, whether it be COVID or something else. But yeah, uh, yeah I'm sure. I'm sure Green Bay won't miss Aaron Rodgers and everybody else he got sick this week. That'll be fun. Yeah, man. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening. And uh, I don't know, why don't you go ahead and bear down? 